anyone experiencing flashbacks, nightmares, panic attacks, high anxiety that's not that's well, it can be triggered or not triggered by something in your external environment. It helps wonders for those individuals. So it, it processes trauma a lot through your physiology. What I've noticed is a lot of people feel it in their chest mm-hmm. or their shoulders or maybe the back of the neck or their face getting those kind of like the hot flashes. The brain saying, hey, this thing that's happening right now is very similar to what happened before when we were in real danger. Mm-hmm. And your, your brain creates that association, that link between then and now. And it basically has that same response that it had in that moment when you were in actual danger to when now, present day, you may not be in that actual danger. So the brain can't tell the difference, which is very scary. In the- this podcast is dedicated to anybody that has gone through some sort of traumatic experience or abuse in the past, whether you're an empath or a highly sensitive person. This podcast is going to have a brand new expert guest on each episode to motivate and inspire all of us. Just know that you're not alone. You're listening to the On Call Empath Show. The On Call Empath. And today I have a licensed therapist, a public speaker, and director of Community Mental Health Associates. Sal uh, Scatina, he is a therapist that's going to be talking about EMDR. I've been waiting for this for such a long time. Sal, how are you doing today? I am doing well, Raj. I'm I'm so happy to be here, man. I can't thank you enough for having me a part of your show. Absolutely. I've been listening to a lot of your lives, very informative information. That's what kind of drew me to you, and, and I'm so glad you were able to be a guest on this show today. Of course, man. My pleasure. Happy to do it. (laughs) So let's just dive right in. I mean, a lot of people that are tuning in on this podcast episode, some people may have heard of EMDR. I wanted to do a episode just solely on that. And that's what you specialize in. Um, Mm -hmm. So if you, if you want to just kind of tell us what it entails and, you know, how it definitely helps, um, like the trauma victims out there? Of course, of course. So EMDR stands for Eye Movement Desensitization and Reprocessing. It was mm-hmm. a type of modality that was created in 1987 to help treat post-traumatic stress disorder, specifically those coming back from Vietnam. Mm. Yeah, I've had a couple of people mention e- uh, EMDR um, and they swear by it like it's really helped them and you don't have to be in like any type of war or anything. It could be just anyone, correct? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. A- anyone experiencing flashbacks, nightmares, panic attacks, high anxiety that's not, that's what well, it can be triggered or not triggered by something in your external environment. It helps wonders for those individuals. So anyone that has these, those strong visceral body reactions to something that's happening in your outside world. It does mm-hmm. a great job of basically reconfiguring the way the brain holds mm-hmm. that memory or experience that's causing the triggered response in your body and your mind. Mm-hmm. And it changes the way your, your body holds it, right? Mm-hmm. Your body, it, it processes trauma a lot through your physiology. Mm-hmm. And it depends on how your body chose to, to retain it depending on where you're going to feel it most. What I've noticed is a lot of people feel it in their chest. 
mm-hmm. or their shoulders or maybe the back of the neck or their face getting those kind of like the hot flashes mm-hmm. those, those feelings of of high heart rates or blood pressure that's happening in those moments because their their body's going to fight or flight because the brain's saying hey this thing that's happening right now is very similar to what happened before when we were in real danger mm-hmm. and then your your brain creates that association that link between then and now and it basically has that same response that it had in that moment when you were in actual danger to when now present day you may not be in that actual danger. So the brain can't tell the difference, which is very scary in the moment. Yeah. And I'm just wondering, like, how does, um, how do you get into this specialty? I mean, I know you're a therapist and there's a lot of therapists that have been on this podcast. Some have different specialties. Why did you choose this particularly? I know that, you know, you have, um, you know, some good background in helping a lot of people, uh, especially with a lot of the stuff that you say online. Um, what made you choose this field? Ah, Raj, this is my <laughs> favorite question, my man. <laughs> the reason that I specifically specialize in trauma and then to get even more specific, EMDR, is because I myself had a uh, trauma about six years ago mm-hmm. where something happened in it and it completely derailed my sense of reality, mm-hmm. my sense of normalcy. And, and even the way in which I saw myself, saw mm-hmm. myself and my identity. And what had happened was I, I got lost in the city of Baltimore. I separated from some friends and I was looking to try to find my friend's house so I could go back into that safe environment with people I knew, people I trusted. Uh, but unfortunately, I got, I got approached by a couple of gentlemen that apparently were basically trying to initiate into a gang and the way in which they were told to do that was through killing an, an innocent bystander. Oh and of gosh. course, at that time, I, I know it's, it's a heavy story, but at the time, I had no idea if that was the case. But these these young these young men approached me in an alleyway, and one thing kind of led to another. And uh, before I knew it, I was I was being stabbed, being thrust with a knife into my my lower abdomen. Oh my gosh! My upper chest, and then my side, and one more time in the back. And they ended up they ended up hitting a lot of my vital organs, including my liver, my heart, my lungs. And I, from that point on, it was it was an absolute success story, and it seemed like the dominoes just fell wonderfully in my direction. But that event, you know, led me feeling alone that night, having no one by my side, no one giving me comfort, and it created tons of fear of my environment, fear of my decisions fear of people so I didn't really know how to trust and when your brain goes into something traumatic like that it has to figure out a way to protect itself and the way in which my brain chose to protect itself was basically splitting the selves so it had a trauma self and then it had your normal everyday self that it was fighting to be and fighting to 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 basically live in your moment to moment so that you had functionality so that you could you could live with two feet on the ground. But the thing with trauma and the thing with emotionality is that if you do not process that trauma and that emotion, it does come up. Mm-hmm. Mine really came up in the form of panic attacks, flashbacks, and nightmares. And it was becoming so debilitating that I, I, I wasn't familiar with this other part of myself, that trauma self. It was scary. It was, it was like this dark, luminous, 
cloud that I, I didn't know how to interact with. It, it almost felt demonic in a way. I could feel that separation more and more and more. And, you know, by, by the grace of God, a therapist saw my story on the news. The news kind of took my story and made it a feel-good story. Like, this guy survived a stabbing and he's he's hopeful. Like at that time, I was I was basically creating this, this fallacy of hopefulness, saying, yeah, I can, I can move on from this. I feel like I'm doing better. I feel... I feel like I can really progress, but in actuality, I was, I was just imploding on the inside. Right. It must've been very hard for you, um, to, you know, just get your life back. And, and you would think like you would just pick up after that and just be able to function, but did it affect your, I mean, just everyday living or was it just sporadic? Like you would just get panic attacks here and there in stressful situations, because um, I'm going to talk about this l- later on, but you be- went on becoming a bodybuilder, competitive bodybuilder, and you traveled the country, like over 30 countries. So you've definitely done some really great stuff. But w- what happened like right after everything, like did all that trauma kind of hit you or was it kind of spread out over a couple of years? It hit fast and it hit aggressively. Mm-hmm. So I, I really start to experience the traumatic symptoms, I would say, about three months into my recovery process. So because my, my, my wounds were so pervasive, I had to get immediate open-heart surgery. Oh, and that my led, gosh. That kind of led me bedridden for – well, not bedridden, but I was at home for about a year in recovery because I was learning how to essentially walk again because because there was so much pressure on my chest and I, I couldn't really open my chest and – my lungs were were rebuilding their capacity back up, and same thing with my heart. I had to slowly build everything back up to to um, the functionality. But yeah, during the day, during the day when I was separated from friends and family, when I had time alone, that's where the symptoms really showed their true colors. Mm-hmm. Now, when this happened, did these guys think that you were dead, and they just ran off, or? Was did they just leave you there, like bleeding everywhere? So what had happened was just before they had approached me, I had knocked on someone's door, thinking it was my friend's house. And oddly enough, my friend's house were their house was three houses down mm-hmm. in Baltimore. A lot of the townhouses houses look quite similar. Mm-hmm. But so I knocked on these these very friendly, cordial people. Knocked on the door. They saw and they they explained to me this isn't you know who you, this isn't the person whose house you think it is. It's not your friend's. I was like, okay, so I just stepped off, and almost the minute I stepped off is when they came around the corner and they approached me. But these people had saw the interaction, mm-hmm. and they saw that there was a tussle going on. And then when I when I finally got some space between them after the third stab wound in my side, which got my heart and my lungs simultaneously, which is mind blowing sometimes to even say, I I was running towards these people, telling them what was happening, and then the guy behind me who was pursuing me, my, my transgressor, he heard he heard that that communication between us. Well, he just heard me yelling out to them. So he realized, all right, someone's seeing this and I got to get out of here. Oh, okay. Yeah. So they thought they were going to get caught. But if, if they didn't even notice, they probably would have just uh, left you there for pretty much dead, right? I mean... It, it felt that way, Raj. Yeah. Gosh, that's got to be tough. So... I just want to let anybody that's listening out there that has been, you know, through any type of traumatic experience, um, just like Sal's experience. I mean, 
it is definitely not easy. And um, hopefully through your story, somebody out there could maybe resonate with you and give maybe give hope to somebody that's listening out there that you can recover. Because obviously you went on to become a therapist, but but then once your life started kind of getting back, how did that what did that look like um and then how did you get into like competitive bodybuilding after that which is amazing <laughs> well i was i was blessed with such a wonderful therapist the therapist that reached out to me was a specialist in emdr and brain spotting and she worked in in baltimore and she volunteered her services for free pro bono oh, wow so you know I'm so grateful for and i knew nothing about emdr besides reading reading about it for about 10 minutes in my undergrad. I mean, it was a very short blurb. Right. Because it, it's still an up-and-coming modality. But it's it's packed with research, and it's got a lot of evidence-based techniques. So it's 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 got a lot of merit in its ability to, to really help. But once I went through the process, I was feeling alleviation from my symptoms in in the first session. Within the first session – I was no longer having the flashbacks, which were really starting to creep into my my day to day. I mean, at one point, I had one when I was driving, and, mm. and those they take up your field of vision. They take up all of your attention and energy. Oh yeah, yeah. And, you know, it makes you feel very helpless <laughs> and vulnerable. Like I could, you know, I'm driving down Route 40, which is right next to my house, but this this is mm. you know, a, a highway. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is really happening in front of me, and I can't see the road. I yeah. can't. What to do in front of me? There's cars, so I had to pull over and I had to calm down my mm. breathing and just ground myself. But this took that away within the first session, and then once we when we did it six to eight session, which is normally the the route or the the, the length that you need in order to overcome a single mm -hmm. episodic trauma, which is wild to think, it reframed the way in which I saw the trauma. So now when I look back at it. It doesn't represent fear, doesn't represent anxiety, confusion, uncertainty, or a lack of trust in myself or others. It doesn't make me feel broken. It's just a reminder of something I went through. I look at it as if it's a memory of me eating breakfast this morning. Mm. It is. Yeah, that is. That's so you had a like a success rate of like, I don't know, 100%. Like it looks like it worked for you because um, you've done so much. I mean, do you get any. Any type of uh, flashbacks now, or are you pretty much recovered one hundred percent? I, I would, I think it's safe to say that I've covered one hundred percent from that episode, from that trauma. I mean, at that time when when my brain was separating itself, it was creating that that depersonalization. So you, I was dissociated, and that's what was really scaring me at the time. But within three sessions of EMDR. I had come back into my former self. I had integrated the trauma self and the normal self to create my new adaptive self. Mm -hmm. And at that point, I started feeling like, man, I I think I can achieve anything. Mm. I, I think that, for one, this is an incredible modality that brought right. back my quality of life. But I'm Sal again. I, but I'm yeah. Sal with a new shade. You, know, mm -hmm. you, you can't be the person that you were before. But you can you can still be a person that has quality yeah. of life and that can still grow and move forward. And that's why I wanted to bring you on. I mean, this, I, I've heard this from many people um, that, you know, EMDR just, uh, just pretty much saved people's lives. Um, I've tried it um, probably just one or two sessions, but this was uh, a while ago. 
Um, and I just remember like the, they use the lights and then they put buttons in your um, arm, like your hands where you can kind of control the light um, where your eye just goes from back and forth. But before we talk about like the mechanics of it, um, if somebody's listening right now and let's say they have what you had, like panic attacks from like, let's say, I don't know, rape or a very bad experience from childhood, um, maybe sexual abuse or whatever it is, and they're still going through flashbacks um, and they get panic attacks when they go out in public or maybe they have agoraphobia where they don't leave the house. Would this be something that would pretty much help somebody? I mean, obviously it, it helped you, correct? I mean, like, was that your experience? Like, did all those things that you were explaining with the driving and everything, did that kind of go away right after your sessions? I mean, almost immediately after the first session, the severe mm-hmm. symptoms, the ones that were really disrupting my daily routine were the ones that were alleviated quickly. And that's, that's the whole point because it, it, it pairs a relaxation response in your body with the thought of the, the past memory. So say you were raped and your body, when you think of it or you're triggered by something in your environment to elicit that bodily response, you're through EMDR, you're changing the, the way the brain associates with it, the way the, the, brain ha- the brain and the body have a relationship when they think about it. So it, it wouldn't create that, that visceral bodily uh, fear response. You won't go into that, that fight or flight anymore. It changes that. It reconfigures your brain. And then once it does that, once you get over that hump and you, your body has, has now basically come to a relaxation uh, or just, just a, a less, less uh, dysregulated form of, of self, then you can start changing your narrative, you know, changing the belief that you hold about that. Like, you know, mine... Mine went from I'm broken, I'm weak. You know, before that, I worked out a lot. I'd been a, an athlete for the majority of my life, all throughout college. But after that, you know, I I remember how how vulnerable and and how demoralizing it felt to walk around in in a walker. You know, being this this high level athlete to this person who looked like he was eighty plus years old, having trouble breathing, just taking you know a, a seven steps in front of him. But, but yeah, but after that one, because I knew the recover, because I was told that my body was going to recover, which I can't, you know, be more thankful for. But that's not a guarantee that your mind's going to recover. So that's what the EMDR did. It allowed me to recover my belief about myself, my environment, so that I could go out and start living and choosing and not feeling helpless and hopeless and in fear and panic response of what my environment was going to and a lot of the listeners out there that might feel stuck and they've tried every modality out there. They've tried several therapists, but um, if I could just ask you like, what makes this um, EMDR different from other, other um, types of therapy out there? Uh, So with EMDR, the reason it's so wonderful for for trauma therapy or, or adverse experiences from childhood, meaning just disruptive, memories and experiences that the brain and the body go through at a young age is because it it bypasses the conscious mind right mm-hmm. and the conscious mind it's only doing five percent of of your thinking and your reacting and your decision making mm-hmm. so in order to to truly process these events and in a 
in a manner that is going to be within a dually time, meaning you can you can do this within five to ten sessions as opposed to two to three years, sometimes even a lifelong um, you know process and therapy. Mm-hmm. It allows you to unlock the subconscious blocks. You know, mm-hmm. like I said, with trauma, the brain, it's going to block a lot of the memory, a lot of the feelings mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. it's protecting itself. So if I, let's say, hypothetically, I'm going to throw you a little scenario here. If, let's say, somebody came to you and they had a similar trauma and they go to a, just a random therapist that does uh, CBT or just, you know, just regular, you know, cognitive behavioral therapy. Would would that do any good to somebody that's been through something that horrific, or um, do they need something more aggressive? Like, let's say someone came to you um, and they told you this. Um, would any other therapy really be? I mean, at that point, would that even help, or would it be better off just going right into EMDR and and tackling all the flashbacks that way? I think it really depends on what's happening in their current life? What are they presenting with? A CBT is a, is a wonderful modality. It's got tons of research behind it. So I, I would never want to denigrate the practice of it. I think it's great. But with someone that's experiencing these, these visceral bodily responses and reactions and, and their, their brain and body are going to fight or flight on a consistent basis and it's taken away their quality of life, CBT will be helpful, but it's going to just take a while for it to be helpful because mm-hmm. you're changing your thought pattern. Mm-hmm. And then you're trying to corroborate that with also altering your behaviors. With EMDR, you don't have to do that. You don't mm-hmm. have to do homework. You don't have to do this consistent follow-up and, and persistence in mm-hmm. in staying up on changing your beliefs. It does it for you. So you're essentially the way in which we we paint the picture of, of how EMDR is helpful is the therapist and the client are going to be on a track, a track that the brain is essentially going to lead us on. And mm-hmm. when it goes down that track, it's going to make the stops in which it needs to reprocess, meaning change the meaning that the brain holds about the experience. So it's doing it's doing the work for us, but as a therapist, we're just making sure that they're staying on the track and that the brain doesn't go too far off because all the memory networks are, are connected. So sometimes EMDR can elicit other extraneous memories that maybe need reprocessing, but it's just not helpful for reprocessing that specific event or memory that we're dealing with currently. Right. What I find interesting is how like effective and fast it works. Some people have even said after their first session with their therapist, automatically they can see a a noticeable difference. Um, And then there's others obviously that, you know, that nothing's really, they they didn't really feel anything uh, after a couple sessions. And and as you said, it it could take up to six sessions to actually start seeing um, some changes um, obviously, if anyone's listening, definitely contact you know a healthcare provider or you know a doctor because this is just uh, general information. But overall, would you just would you say that it roughly takes between one and six sessions to actually see some you know some benefits? Well, here I'll just pull from research. So the, the data tells us that within three to seven sessions of EMDR you will have a 77 to 90% reduction in symptomology. So wow. it, 
it literally will eliminate the diagnosis of PTSD. You will no longer have PTSD as a clinical diagnosis after three to seven sessions. Wow. That's powerful. And anybody that's listening out there, I mean, I know I have a lot of listeners that are trauma victims. Um, and so this would be definitely something uh, that, you know, seems very promising. Now, I just wanted to kind of switch gears here and kind of talk to you about the AIP model and, and what what that is based off of with, as far as EDMR or EMDR. Okay, if you can spl- explain that to the uh, listener out there. Of course, of course. So the eight and the adaptive information processing model, which is the AIP model, it's consistent with Freud's and um, Pavlov's understanding of our information processing system in the brain. And what that means is that our brain has a system that gives us adaptive information depending on our past schemas, meaning schema is the way in which we look at the world. It's like a shortcut for figuring out a situation. Like if you touch a hot stove, the next time you see a hot stove, you're not going to touch it because your schema says that is dangerous. That will hurt mm-hmm. you. So with trauma, that memory gets dislodged in the brain. You do not have the proper adaptive information. Mm-hmm. So there becomes maladaptive. It, it doesn't have mm-hmm. that, okay, this is the information that I just simply need to moving forward in order to grow mm-hmm. and better understand how I operate in these situations. So what what EMDR does is it activates that AIP part of the brain. And that allows us to adaptively process and integrate a new positive emotional response and cognitive schema. So you're you're creating a spin on the way in which your brain holds it. You're changing the information so that it is helpful, it's beneficiary, and no longer hindering your quality of life. Like for me, it, it it told me my my incident said don't trust people, mm-hmm. don't trust yourself because you put yourself into that situation, right. and that you are this weak, feeble, helpless individual. Mm-hmm. Those the the dominating beliefs that's not useful information. There's no utility in that for me. Well, at least the utility is it's fear, it's mm-hmm. the fight or flight response, it's rescinding to my room and isolating myself from my loved ones, my job. Like my job is all about people interaction, and I love that. I get so much meaning from that. And it stripped that. It stripped that for me for a brief period of time, luckily only brief period. But then it, it reintegrated that new information of, hey, this is representative that you're stronger than you could ever imagine. You you overcame this. And then it said, hey, just because this was something that happened in your life doesn't mean that you can't trust everyone. It just simply means when you're in this environment, be wary of these telling signs. So that, see, my brain can make use of that information. It's, it's properly stored in my brain so that I can just jump in there and pull it out when needed. Now with trauma, you can't pull it out when needed. It comes out on its own volition because it's not properly stored. It's fractured in the brain. And that's how it manifests into panic attack, high uh, arousal responses, or the re-experiencing, meaning the intrusive thought patterns, telling you all these wild, crazy things about the world around you. Yeah, that's amazing. I, you know, I'm just, I mean, because I wanted to know so much more about this because I've, I've heard this term EMDR from so many, you know, people, um, a lot of the listeners. Um, so let's say somebody does go through this and, you know, they, they have a great success rate, um, maybe a couple years down the road. 
is there a chance possibly that maybe somebody could relapse or maybe they'll have a couple of hiccups here and there where they're, you know, have these flashbacks or is it pretty much like depending on the person, obviously, but is it pretty much like gone? Like, like, like what you experienced? If the EMDR is done effectively, mm-hmm. whatever past experience that you were processing will no longer create that current present day trigger or stresses that you were having at that time. Now, it doesn't account for future experience. So it's, it's very possible for you to have a traumatic event after the fact that's brand new, that's a different experience and and in, in you know environmental, I guess you would say, stressor or experience to the brain. But in terms of the past ones, if you got an effective therapist, they know what they're doing with you, you will have complete reduction of that of those terrifying symptoms that you were that you had been experiencing in the present day because like i said before and this is the thing that impressed me so much and also felt like almost like a magic trick was happening on my brain is that it does the work for you you don't need the best therapist in the world really you just need a therapist (laughs) that is is able to read some yeah your body language and have a good relationship with you so they kind of they know your your little your 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 different nuances of when you're mm-hmm. having high emotionality or you're out of your zone of tolerance, meaning out of your your zone of of comfortability, mm-hmm. and you're making the situation worse than better, or you just need a break from the therapy mm-hmm. in the moment. Man, I'm telling you, when it's done right, you should <laughs> no longer have those have those those responses anymore right. in the brain and the body. Just love you know these types of stories where people could just turn their lives around when you were at a lowest point of your life and now you're helping others. So before we take off, can you just maybe talk to somebody that's listening right now that, you know, maybe they didn't go through like as like traumatic experiences you have, but like maybe they had an abusive, you know, uh, loved one or they went through like some childhood uh, bullying or, you know, just something really traumatic from childhood. What can you tell that person right now that's listening um, that might help them just kind of get on that right path? Maybe they don't want to do the EMDR yet um, and and they want to just kind of just do something a little bit more mild. And then uh, what, what, what else is out there for, for somebody that's kind of been through a little bit in their lives? I would say the biggest thing, Raj, is making sure that you have a good support system. Mm-hmm. EMDR is wonderful, and it, it changed my life, gave me back my quality of life for sure, for certain. But without having people around me, for one, a support group, people that you could relate with that made you feel a part of what you were experiencing, saying, hey, I've been through this too. Hey, I know what it's like to have those flashbacks, what it's like to have those panic responses when nothing really makes sense as to why you're having it, right? And teaching you that panic is is a real thing that happens in the body. And I know it feels like you're dying, but your brain can go to those extents. But making sure that we have people in our in our background encouraging us, validating us, saying it's okay to feel what you're going through, what you're experiencing. It's very human of you. And trauma is very human as well. It's it's just a 
a, a product of how the brain perceives its environment, depending on what's happening within that environment and how used how used you are to 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 the circumstances. But there is hope. There is hope. And that that was that was that underlining message that I wasn't sure existed. Was there is hope through my symptoms. There is hope in in knowing that there's something more than just this trauma self that I had been basically overcome and overwhelmed with uh, to the point where your brain will try to convince you that there's nothing, there's no other route for you, that you have got to simply accept that this is your life and you can't do anything about it. But I just want you to know that there are resources out there. We do have got, we, I got lucky because they came to me. Like that, that was something I will count my blessings every day about, <laughs> but we can always go to people that we feel that we trust, mm. who we think that would lead us in the right mm. direction. That we say, okay, I can, I think they're worthy of hearing my story, but making sure that you're telling your story. That's a huge part of processing as well, is your brain holds on to a narrative that you've created after the experience. But if you do not check in with that narrative and you don't change it in a way that is useful for you, that you're not getting some sort of benefit, then it will simply continue to operate off of the fear that was propagated in, in its creation of it. Right, so let's, we can break the fear pattern. We can break the cyclic pattern that your your brain and body fall into when these responses happen. If we choose to do more than what we're doing now, very well said. And you know, Sal, there's definitely something to say. I mean, you not only talk about it, but you lived it. And for that, I mean, keep up doing the amazing work that you do. Um, and before we take off, can you just tell us where we can find you? Um, if you want to give a shout out with you know, your social media or your webpage. Yeah, of course. Of course. So on Instagram, my tag is Sal at, no, what, I'm sorry. Sal's therapy corner dot, uh, Sal's therapy corner. That's it. <laughs> just Sal's therapy corner. I have a website for myself and my practice. So my website is Sal's therapy corner.com. And then my practice's website is cmhahelps.com. And if you want to just reach out to me via email, sal at cmhahelps.com. I'm always open for a conversation mm. or maybe just a nudge in a direction mm. that could be a benefit if you feel lost mm. and you feel hopeless in, in this in this struggle, in this pursuit, in this journey. Absolutely. And you're always welcome back, uh, you know, to come back on this podcast anytime. Well, hey, Raj, <laughs> thanks for having this platform for people like me to tell these stories and to communicate the resources that we have available within our society and community. So these people don't have to feel so alone and alienated in their struggle and their fight. Exactly. And just know guys, you guys are never alone. With that said, stay tuned for the next episode and we are out. You're listening to the On Call and